but we also need to be peacemakers within our own circles, our circle of our family, uh, the circle of friends that we have, our church, peacemakers at work or at school, wherever we are at, we are to find peace also within ourselves. We are to be peacemakers because the God we serve is a peacemaker. Our passage for today reads, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This verse is from the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon Jesus gave that's recorded on, in Matthew chapters 5-7. to It comes in the attitudes. Sound is okay? I feel like it's going in and out. Today we're just focusing on verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The word peace appears many times throughout the Bible. And in the New Testament alone, it appears 90 or more times. The Greek word for peace is irene. But the, more, the word that you're probably more familiar with is the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. Shalom. But this same type of peace, shalom peace, is usually what is being referred to when you see the word being used in the New Testament. And shalom is not just peace in the way that we know it in America, where there's no conflict and there's no war. It's so much more than that. It's also harmony. It's completeness, welfare. The peace that Shalom speaks of is peace between entities, like peace between people, peace between countries, people, uh, peace between God and people. But it also desires the well-being of people, the welfare of others and groups. When Jesus says here, blessed is a peacemaker, he's saying that in a shalom sense, a peace that is both personal and also communal. Notice Jesus says peacemaker, not peacekeeper or peaceful, but a peacemaker. So then for us, we're to actively be seeking peace and bring peace to places that do not have it. We are to bring peace where there is none. M. Eugene Boring says, Peacemakers does not connote a passive attitude, but positive actions of reconciliation. So we're not to sit idly by and watch the world burn. We're not to just sit by and think, hey, as long as things are good with me, it doesn't really matter what else happens in the world. Rather, we are to work towards peace. This doesn't mean that I'm imploring any of you guys to get up and fly over to Eastern Europe and fight in the war efforts over there. That's just foolishness. But we need to be aware of what is happening in the world. We need to also know, though, that our limitations are to what we can do where we are at. Before I went on the mission trip to Ukraine, uh, the leader of my team uh, used a phrase that I hadn't heard of at that time, but you all might have heard by now, it's called, it's uh, think globally, act locally, right? Think globally, act locally. As you think about Ukraine and what we're going to do over in Ukraine, we still need to live our life here. So as we prepare to go evangelize and be a Christ ambassador in Ukraine, we also have to be evangelizing and a Christ ambassador here in California at the time I was in in California, right? We need to do what we can do where we are locally, right? When I was in Korea towards the end of 2010, there was an incident uh, that happened between 
North Korea and South Korea that rang a little, rang a few alarm bells about a possible war happening in the region. And what happened was, um, a North Korean sh a warship or ship shot at an island, a South Korean island. Okay, and these uh, skirmishes happen quite often in Korea. So when you live in Korea, it people don't pay too much mind to it. I think the world reacts a little bit more to it. But this one was different. The reason why this attack was a little different was because the shooting from the North Korean ship actually caused the death of civilians on the island. Right? So it wasn't just like military personnel fighting each other. It ended up being the loss of innocent civilian life. And uh, it affected people. And so because of this, um, my mom got scared, and she called me, right? And she called me and said, you need to fly home right now because there's going to be a war in Korea. I was still working in Korea. I was like, uh, I don't think so, but, you know, thank you for your concern. And my brother called me. My brother's in the Army, and he said, hey, did you register with the U.S. Embassy? Like, no, I didn't. Like, well, you need to go tell them that you live in Korea because if war happens, they're going to get you on a helicopter to Busan, and then from Busan, they'll take you to Japan, and you can fly home to safety. It's like, oh, all right, cool, man. <laughs> but I don't think anything's going to happen. Right? But as my mom was trying to convince me to come home, uh, this is what I said to her. I said, Mom, right now I work in Korea. My church is in Korea. This is where my flock is. And I'm not going to just leave them right now in this difficult time to go to safety. And, and I didn't say that in a way to sound all cool and like, oh, I'm tough. You know, like I'm not going to run away from the situation. I just, that's truly just how I felt at the time. Right? But now, if something was to happen in South Korea, I'm not going to be like, oh, i got to get on Korean Air and fly over there and, and figure things out because my flock is here now. This is where I am living and this is where I'm serving. So I could pay attention to what's going on in the world, but my effect and what I can do actually happens locally to the communities that, that, I, that I am in. And that's what the first thing I'm talking about is. You need to be a peacemaker as you think about what's happening in the world, at least locally into your communities. And that means be a peacemaker in New York, be a peacemaker in Queens and Long Island or upstate or New Jersey, wherever you call home. Yes, we don't have a war raging in the streets uh, in the United States, but we do know there isn't this shalom peace, this, this godly peace where we live, right? Think about all the wars and injustices, the hurts and the crimes happening all over the world, but also here at home, right? Violence, the lack of welfare for people, random attacks on the subway have just become very a normalized thing now. There isn't peace where we live. So what are we to do about it? Are you being a peacemaker in your own communities? Jeremiah 29, 7 says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. This is the prophet Jeremiah writing a letter to the elders in exile, the, the, the uh, Israelites that Nebuchadnezzar took into exile to, to Babylon. And Jeremiah is telling them, pray for this enemy city that you live in. Pray that it does well. Pray that it prospers. Because if it prospers, if it does well, it's only to your own benefit. It's only to your benefit. If there's peace in the enemy nation that you are in as refugees, as prisoners, as, as exiles, there should at least also be peace for you. Right? 
Our ESV translation says welfare, but other versions use the word peace or prosperity wherever you see the word welfare being used because the original world word being used is shalom. Shalom. Seek the shalom. Pray for shalom in the place you are in exile. We then, even though we are just sojourners here on earth, not belonging to this world, we seek the peace of this world. We pray for peace and prosperity in this world, in New York, in USA, in all over the world, because there is none. The political divide, the social economic divide, are you working towards peace? Are you making peace in the greater world and in the greater community? And as we think about working towards peace in the larger world, we cannot neglect our own immediate circles, the circles that God has placed you in. So the next place we need to make peace in is our immediate circles. Just because we're Christian doesn't mean that we have peace all around us. Do you have peace within your family? Do you have peace with your parents, with your children? Do you have peace with your teachers and classmates? Do you have peace with your boss and your coworkers? I dare say somewhere there is at least one area of your life where you don't have peace. My wife and I, we talked about this sometimes. We see uh, our friends who have great relationship with their, with their siblings, but they don't have the best marriage. They have a great relationship with their parents, but their relationship with their kids are not that great. There's one area that's always affected, right? Sometimes it's even harder to find peace close at home rather than farther away. To whom do we relieve our stress to? Our family. To whom do we raise our voice to? Our family. To whom do we get into the most fights with? Our family. The circle, the place where we hope to have the most peace often is the place where we do not. Just think back to this past week. Have you got angry with your spouse or your parent, or your child, or your sibling? Have you yelled at your spouse, or your parent, or your child, or your sibling? Have you harbored, even for a moment, a slight hatred or resentment towards your spouse, or your parent, or your child, or your sibling? And I think we all have. We all have, even to our friends, our teachers, and coworkers. You know, the other night as we were getting ready for bed, um, maybe a few nights ago, uh, we played this game where my wife would just ask questions to our kids, and not just like random like trivia questions, but like thoughtful and deep questions. And uh, it got to Brandon's turn, <coughs> and my wife asked Brandon, Brandon, why don't you kiss daddy anymore? Why don't you kiss daddy? And uh, I will say, Brandon uh, kisses me, but not on the lips, right? He kisses me like, he'd always avoid it. He's like, I'll kiss you on the hand. I'll kiss you on your belly. Uh, Ryan is not. Ryan, he's older, but he's like, yeah, he gives, gives me the, the wet kisses. Right? So my wife said, why don't you kiss daddy? Right? And <laughs> this is what Brandon, Brandon said. Because daddy doesn't play with me. He always says, not right now. I have to work. Not right now. So I don't want to kiss him. Right? Broke my heart. 
And he said, I'll, I'll kiss him again if, I pl- if he plays with me. If he plays with me, I'll kiss him again, right? So even in this young four-year-old's heart, there wasn't peace in a sense. There was still like a, this barrier that something was built up within him that kind of blocked this desire to get a little physical with me, right? There wasn't a peace there. I played him with the next day, and he kissed me on the lips uh, a little bit reluctantly, right? The next day, I helped him find a toy, and I think it got better. He kissed me willingly, right? That's all you need to do, just spend time, right? Scripture tells us in Hebrews 12, 14, strive for, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We need to have work to, we need to work at having peace with everyone. There's actual work to be done. It involves sacrifice at times. It involves me when it comes to Brandon. If he comes to me at work, when I'm working, if I'm not too busy, just set it down a little bit and actually give the time that he needs for him to find joy and love, right? Not always pushing him away. To have peace within our immediate circles, we need to live a life of holiness. We need to live a life that is Christ-like, and by doing so, others will see God and hopefully be changed and drawn into desiring peace with us as well. Peace is something that is hard to attain, and that is why it is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's only through the helpings of the Spirit of God that God gives us are we able to make peace and bring peace and receive peace from others. It is only through the power of God's Spirit that we have peace and make and the reason for this is even if it is on us to be peacemakers in the world even if it's on us to make peace in our immediate circles it is not on us to make peace with God because God the ultimate peacemaker chose to make peace with us this peace comes to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross there was trouble, there was brokenness, there's separation, separation and hostility between God and us. Sin shattered that relationship that we had with God, that perfect relationship. But our God is good. God didn't say, because we sinned, we must fix the brokenness. No, rather, to remedy this, we didn't have to do anything. It was God who did something. It was God who worked towards that peace. To make peace with us, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and resurrect for us, to save us, to make peace with us and bring that peace, that shalom peace that we should display in the world. Jesus Christ paid that price for us. Jesus is described as the prince of peace in Isaiah 9, 6, and through him we are able to have this peace with God. God did this so that we may know what true peace really is. God reconciled himself to us, and now we are called to reconcile with each other and help others reconcile with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, he and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sinned for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul here is telling the church in Corinth, just as how God reconciled himself to us through Jesus, now we are called to reconcile to others and bring others to God. That is all part of being a peacemaker. To have peace holy, to have peace personally, and to have peace communally. When I was in the Ukraine, we had a time to do ministry near a city, um, in a city near Chernobyl, where you may know there was a big nuclear accident in the late 80s at a power plant there. And, um, you know, the ground in certain areas there is still contaminated. There's still a poisoning. And our team, when we went to this town near Chernobyl, <coughs> our ministry there was to an orphanage, uh, was at an orphanage. And we saw hundreds of kids and we sang praise uh, with them. We, uh, we did uh, body worship. We did skits and things like that. We just hung out with them for a day. And as we were walking around, we noticed something very shocking uh, to us. And that was we saw children as young as eight, seven, six, smoking cigarettes and drinking, uh, taking swigs of vodka. And obviously for us, it's it was shocking because adults were walking by and not doing anything. And uh, the local church leader there that we were with told us that the orphanage caretakers, they don't care if the kids smoke or, or drink. And the reason is because they know these children will never have a full life. Right? Because of the effects of the radiation in the nuclear power plant, they will never live a full life in the way that we will. And so they allow them to do whatever they want to find any joy or comfort or, or peace in this world. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor John spoke in his I Am series on Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And PJ mentioned to us that we chase other things to satisfy this hunger, that we try to feel uh, eternal hunger with earthly food. But by, but by Jesus saying that he is the bread of life, he's saying that he's the only one that could feel, fill this hunger. He's the ultimate source of security, status, sustenance, and pleasure. And dare I say, he's the ultimate source of peace. He's also the ultimate source of peace. And as we work towards this peace, we then try to bring Jesus' peace to those who do not have it. Why do, we call, why do we call the time of our greeting not greeting? It's passing of the peace. As we work towards the peace, we then are to try to bring Jesus' peace to those who don't have it. And we take up the call to reconcile others to God. And when we do this, when we work towards peacemaking in the greater world and in the circles around us, then we become the sons of God. Then we become the sons of God. When we have peace with God and work for peace, in the world, we are accepted as belonging to the true people of God and are able to enter into his inheritance. As children of God, then, we experience this peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Through Jesus, we have a peace that is unlike 
worldly peace, the peace that we are familiar with, the peace that we strive for. We get Irini peace. We get shalom peace, not just an absence of conflict, but a right relationship with God. We have peace as children of God. And now that we know God and have peace with God, we are able to make peace in the world and make peace in our immediate circles. In Ukraine, I traveled to all parts of the country. Right? I traveled by train, by taxi. One time we had a 12-seater van for 16 people and we had to drive eight hours in that. Right? We went from the center where Kiev is all the way down south to Odessa, all the way east to the city called Neopetrovsk, to north to where Chernobyl, near where Chernobyl is. We spent about three, four days everywhere, and I spent an entire month in, in the Ukraine. And whenever we traveled through the countrysides of Ukraine, you would just see these clear blue skies and fields and fields of sunflowers. Like, I've never seen that many sunflowers in my life before. Just blue skies and sunflowers. And the person that we were with, the local person that we, we were with said, that's the Ukrainian flag. Clear skies and sunflowers. Blue on top, yellow on the bottom. In war, the sky is not blue. It's gray from smoke and it's dark. In war, flowers are not blooming. They are trampled upon. When we are not at peace, this is also true for us in our own hearts and minds as well. We are downcast. Our mind is foggy. We are in dark. As much as I long for clear skies and sunflowers for the nation of Ukraine, I hope that for you, that you, knowing the everlasting peace in Christ and working for peace in your life, will have clear skies and sunflowers all the days of your life. In Ukraine, every church we went to, we had worship. And sometimes we had worship for hours and hours. The longest worship I had was for three hours. Two hours of it was just singing praise songs, all in, all in Ukrainian, right? And in 2001, I went in 2001, uh, every church was so thrilled because they had just learned a new praise song, right? So every church we went to, like, oh, we learned this praise song. It's so good. We're going to sing it for you guys, right? There was, a, there was like a revival right before we went, and they all learned this praise song. And the song you all know, uh, you, most of you might know, it's called The Heart of Worship. The Heart of Worship, right? You all know the When the music fades, all is stripped away. Right? And I simply come. And the chorus goes, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I remember at one particular church, they, they loved this song so much, they repeated it for one hour. <laughs> one hour straight, no breaks. Just the same song for an hour because they just learned it and like, oh. But at that time, they're really immersed in the, in the lyrics of it, the true worship of God and the, the feelings that you get when you worship God, right? The all-encompassing joy that comes when you worship God, when you forget everything else and just come to God and you can feel his joy and his love and his peace. When we come here to worship here at NCF, in the beginning when I preside, I usually say something uh, to that effect as well, right? That we'll forget our worries and we'll leave the stress at the door and just come 
but a heart of worship just to be ready to worship God and be rejuvenated, refilled, and find peace in God again. We may have seen pictures of Ukrainians worshiping in the subways and underground, and I hope that during those times of worship, even when they were may hear bombing above and around them, that they find peace in God, that they know it's all about Jesus and only through Jesus that they will find peace. And I hope that though the world attacks us and there's sin and there's hostility around us, that in God you find peace as well because God made peace with us and Jesus gave us that peace. So be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper, not a peaceful person, but be a peacemaker, a person who works for peace, who strives for peace in all areas of life, in all places of the world, a person who works to try to get rid of wickedness, hatred, divide, and sin. Be a Christian, a child of God who actively works to make peace in hostile relationships and areas of your life to reconcile others and reconcile with others and help them reconcile to God. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. As Paul hopes for God's peace on you at all times and in every way, that the Lord be with you, know that this is true, that the Lord will give you his peace, and God has made peace with you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Dear peacemaker, dear child of God, pass the peace of Jesus because Jesus loves you. Jesus loveth us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much. Lord, thank you because we know that you are still good even in times of conflict. We know that you're still good even though things don't always go right in our lives. And help us to always remember that and help us to only trust in you, Lord. Lord, you are the ultimate peacemaker and you've given us peace. Help us to truly pass that peace to those who we can, to mend fences, to build relationships, to reconcile with others, and ultimately have them reconcile with you. Continue to guide us and keep us always. We thank you in your son Christ's name we pray. Amen.